Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Elaine Lindsay's mission? End the silence, stigma, and shame surrounding suicide, ideation, and mental health. Sharing your burden can lighten the load. Elaine says, we must normalize the conversation to make it easier for you to voice your pain and be able to ask for help. Reaching out to any other human being when you're in need of a listening ear must become the norm. Now, please note the Suicide Zen Forgiveness podcast is for education only. Some of this subject matter could be triggering for those of you that are either grieving or having mental health problems. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. My guest today is an advocate for all. Jody Betty is an author, an acclaimed blogger, and photographer. She's a three-time suicide survivor. Jody endured multiple sexual traumas from infancy to age 14. She spent many years with unhealthy and destructive coping skills. Jody eventually chose the path of healing and now shares her stories online to help others understand they are not alone in their thoughts and feelings. Jody's viral blog I Want You to Want to Live, written in 2016, has reached over 2 million people worldwide, and it's translated into a number of different languages. Jody left her email in the blog and to date has received over 4,000 incoming messages. She has replied to every single one. In her free time, Jody passionately advocates and helps people dealing with suicidal crisis and mental health issues. She loves to spend time in nature and by water, as that is where she finds her peace. Jody currently resides in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Hi there, glad to be with you again. It's Elaine, and now I'm going to bring up my guest today. My guest's name is Jody Betty, and we have a lot to talk about. We met through Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it now. Hi there. Hi, Elaine. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. I was just the opportunity. I appreciate it. Excellent. I was just saying to our audience that we actually met through Twitter slash X or whatever you're calling it uh, these days. It's to me, really important that we have people like you who me stand in just in total integrity and empathy to help those that are in need. And I just want to say thank you so much. It takes a certain kind of strength to do what you do. And that said, I would like you to Take us on a journey, your journey, so that people can get a better idea of who you are. Sure. I, my name's Jody, and I'm not going to age myself. 
basically, I had a very rough childhood. I was born to an alcoholic and drug addict mother, and I was in foster care from three months till 18 months. Unfortunately, I was in five foster homes. The fifth one was okay. The first four, I was removed for sexual abuse twice and a drowning once and neglect and physical abuse. So my trauma started um, so young that it's kind of all I've ever known. I didn't have that childhood with that sense of innocence because it was just already gone. And by the time I was adopted, I was like, I was scared of adults. I, I was like so nervous that I was in a new home and would these people keep me or were they giving me away too? And it was, it was difficult growing up because there was a period of time up until I was about five where there was no more abuse. Funny enough, that's a, um, almost blocked out. I think sometimes when the mind likes to remember the trauma before anything yeah. good. And then when I was five, concurrently, my father started abusing my mother and it was the seventies. You did a lot. You you didn't, you weren't watched over every minute. There wasn't cameras everywhere. You just went out and played and then you came back for lunch and you went out again and came back for dinner and went out again and had to go home when the streetlights came on. And during that, unfortunately... I guess I feel like predators can smell vulnerable children like dogs can smell raw meat. And I fell predator, I, I fell victim to multiple predators from age five to 14. I'm so and it's weird because if you don't know anything different, you don't know really what's right or wrong until you like say something to, or someone says something to you about something totally not related. And then you're like, oh, wait a second, that doesn't happen in your house too. Like, so I really had no grasp on anything. And then when I was 13, um, my mom got breast cancer and she died when I was 19. So the first like 20 years were so hectic and so full of fear and I think the only thing really that kept me sane was the fact that I, I was gifted with a skill to play soccer and I did so as often as possible from age five until I'd had so many surgeries I had to stop at 42. At 42? Wow that's a lot of soccer. Know. It is a lot of soccer yeah but it was my constant it was my mind couldn't focus on anything else because I was in a game and I played sometimes up to four and five times a week just to escape my mind I felt confident on the field and confidence when you're never raised with confidence it's really hard to just grab as an adult out of thin air saying oh I'm gonna feel good about myself because of this or that when for the better part of your life someone's been telling you you're no good and you're not smart enough to do this and you're not good enough to do this and 
my father was a narcissist. He still is a narcissist. I don't really have much contact with him anymore. And at first it was kind of weird. And now it just feels like a, a weight is lifted off my shoulder because I don't care what he says. I just don't care. It goes in one ear and out the other. I, I have to stop you for a second because I just want to acknowledge the fact that we we have to realize that there are so many children that are gifted with such resilience that you found an outlet, you found soccer, and were able to take yourself to another place that allowed you to get past what was happening. Yeah. And I just think it's absolutely amazing and commendable. And I hope you realize just how incredible you were as a child. To be able it's, to do that on yourself, yourself, eh? Yeah, right? it really is. But I think, I mean, I've always looked down on myself because now I'm a saver. I couldn't save my mom from cancer. I couldn't save my mom from the abuse, even though like I literally would have her in my room with furniture pushed behind the door on some nights because she felt safer to sleep there. And not if she was alive, I would have at this point say that was a really traumatizing period of time for me. Yes. Yeah. Five years old, I just became parentified. I had to make coffee. She, I think her biggest mistake in life was making me her confidant at five. Because the first incident that I remember, the next morning she was crying and tell me all about it. So then I, I made her coffee and then I sat with her and hold her hand and I gave her Kleenexes and, and everything. But it's the fact that she relayed not only the story but the details so it became almost my job from that day on to sleep with one eye open sleep with a light on get ready for to try and protect her whatever i could do to stop whatever was happening and i give myself credit for doing that at that time without having the knowledge that you have now not only should you give yourself credit, that is above and beyond, okay? For a five-year-old to be put in that position, it, I mean, it, it just, it absolutely breaks my heart, but I'm honored to be talking to you today. Thank you. I'm, I'm always happy to share my story. Well, yeah, I get that. I just hope you get how incredible you are. I'm starting. I get a lot of crap from friends for not. Sometimes words for so long are negative and you build up a wall and they just bounce off you like rubber. So it's difficult to, when people say you're loved and we need you and stuff, I have to actually take a minute to try and break down that wall and let those words in and accept that they're true because on the one side there's like this one nattering voice going yeah 
you suck. And then, then the other people are saying, no, you did this and you've done that and you survived this. And that's, that's something. It's not just something. You didn't just survive. You're taking care of other people. You're stepping up for other people. That's what heroes do. Not everybody does that. I think people are, are, when it comes to suicide, especially, it's just one of those things. And I wish honestly that I could go speak to the police divisions and even social workers, because you don't know, you can't know unless you've been there. It's just one of those things you cannot know. And so many, I wrote an article in 2016 when I was really having a hard time balancing on the ledge and I am called a crisis line and you have to be so guarded what you say because the copter at the door and this, that, and the other thing. So to me, I actually worked at children's text crisis line for about a year and it, I had to leave because I can't be me. I have to follow this script of things that need to be said in certain order and this, that, and the other thing. And that's not what people need to hear. And so I wrote this article to myself almost, but to everyone else saying, this is what I, these are the things that I would like to hear when I'm in the middle of a suicidal crisis. And it went on the mighty and it just blew up. It's just, it's huge. It's got two and a half million hits. It's in 10 languages or more. I have probably 4,000 emails in my inbox from just people from all over the world, from India to the Far East to everywhere, saying either thank you or asking for some advice or just needing to tell their story to someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with your permission, we'll have a link to your article on oh, your page yeah. um, with the podcast, because I think that's really important. And it's true. You have to be in it. You have to be able to have been there to offer support, but also to have true empathy for others. And it's a funny thing because I've been saying it for decades that I believe every doctor, every nurse, every resident needs to spend 48 hours in a hospital bed getting poked and prodded and needles and what have you so that they can understand the level of fear that some people have, the pain that's involved. And the reason that people are so stressed when they're there, because like police, like social workers, like psychiatrists and psychologists, if you are going to offer a service that requires empathy, then you have to be able to have walk. Absolutely. And I think there's no book. I've read a million books. There's no books. There's no anything. You, it's a common theme that people need at that time. And it's so basic. It's people need you to listen and actually listen, not to speak. 
Because in our society, all we do is listen. And in the meantime, our brain is spinning of what we're going to spit out next. You need to shut down. You need to listen and provide validation. People need to be validated. Are my feelings normal? Yes, at this period of time that you're feeling suicidal, they're normal. But let me tell you that suicidal, the height of the suicidal crisis itself, it doesn't last that long. Like those minutes, those where you're going to actively do something. If you can get someone who's still posting on Twitter about suicide, that means they're still reaching out. And that's when, if I see a post, I will jump in and I, I, I encourage everybody in the world to stop with the stigma nonsense and get straight to the point. Don't beat around the bush. Ask your kids how their day was. Ask them what they learned at school. Ask them, are they feeling depressed? Ask them straight out. Are you or have you had suicidal thoughts? It doesn't make them have them. That's such a common misconception. Yeah. But if the more people that can do that, then the friends will start asking their friends. And it's a chain link reaction. And this is it. We need to normalize the conversation. Because these are feelings and we all have all kinds of different feelings. Yeah. So let's talk about them. I'm just going to stop for one second because I think we're right at the place where we want to talk about the shirt. Oh, okay. Perfect. Okay. Because you said, okay, it is, it's about listening. It's about listening wholeheartedly, a hundred percent. And you're right. It's not about figuring out what you're going to say back because that's not listening. That's simply pausing until you can speak again. So it says, stop suicide with your ears. You take it from here. My friend, Ann Moss Rogers, we, she's on Twitter as well. And I met her again because her, she had just lost her son to suicide. And I had reached out to her and we became friends. And we recently, I think last year we released a, a little self-harm ebook on ways to manage self-harm. So we published that and she often goes around and she speaks for NAMI and she speaks for TEDx and those yeah. types of things. And she made this shirt to raise awareness for her son, Charles, who died by suicide. Wording is very important too. I want to put yeah. there, nobody commits suicide. It's not a crime. Right. It's not something we've done. People die from mental health issues by suicide. And even just changing the directive of those words in society can help a lot. And I think the shirt itself for me is, even if you haven't been there, you can still listen. Listen, just let someone share their story. You have to be a non-judgmental safe space. You need to be able to hold space for a person. And not everyone can do that, but it's not as hard as everyone thinks. People think, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing. And then they're going to go and end up hurting themselves or ending their life. And it's not about that because the times that I've been suicidal and had active attempts, and the first one was when I was eight, it, there wasn't Twitter back then. So one of my older ones, I wasn't on Twitter. 
because I'm done. I was done. Right? So if you see a post on Twitter and you can't, you feel like you can't hold space for that person, retweet it to me. Yeah. Retweet it to just get it out there because there is someone and there always will be someone online, especially to listen without judgment because online in the mental health community, everyone's working within a spectrum of grief, a spectrum of trauma, a spectrum of all the mental health issues. And I think listening is just one of those things that you just need to learn to do. Just learn to close your mind and listen and just encourage someone to get them through. If all you need to do is get them through that 10 minutes, you need to get them. If they're actively suicidal and they say they have a knife, you know what? It's very difficult and you may not be able to handle that. But at the same time, you might suggest, would you do me a favor and just put that out of reach while we have our conversation? Yeah. Right. And if there's little tips that I can put out on tweets and stuff like that for people to be able to understand that it's not something to be terrified of. We're much better off if people try to listen, try to step in, try to be an ear, try to just be there. Because I think that can give someone some hope. Absolutely. I feel if an article can help that many people, can you imagine the gratification you're going to get by just listening to one? That's it. Just listen, validate their feelings and let them know you don't with the, oh, everything's going to be, everything is not going to be, you've been through trauma. Okay. We don't need to get into the details of your trauma. But we need to deal with how that trauma is now affecting you on a daily basis. And it's bringing you to this dark point. Another suggestion I tell people, you want, no, ask open-ended questions. So, okay. Okay. With a yes or no answer. You want to say, instead of how are you feeling, tell me how you're feeling. Yes. Tell me how I can best help you or best support you. Because that's also giving the power back into someone who's feeling so weak and out of control. You've just yeah. given them something by giving them a tiny bit of control over the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, because being powerless yeah. can be devastating. Yeah, absolutely. Powerless and loss of hope and, and those two combined, are they can be very deadly. We lost one in the mental health community, I think, last week. And... It stung, I see the tweets, it stung a lot of people hard. And this poor girl, uh, she was in the UK and she reached out for help. I don't know how, I didn't follow her, but I don't know how many times to mental health services, to so much when you have so much rejection and so much against you when you just can't, you're like, yeah, yeah. I can't anymore. I don't have the strength. No. And I think that's, what we have to get across in normalizing the conversation, we have to make the whole point be judgment-free. Yeah. Listening without judgment, listening without response 
without comeback, without platitudes, without any of that, just being able to listen. And I think if everybody takes the time to look out or listen for one person, we can make a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have my DMs open all the time and I've encouraged hundreds and hundreds of people. If you're having a hard time, I had a friend in the in hospital, and I believe in the UK or the States, who had a suicide attempt in the hospital for a suicide attempt. Yeah. So she's out now. So now, like, you need to understand you, you can't control people's actions. But you can do the little things, which is like what I do. When I wake up in the morning and I decide I'm going to get on X, I need to check in on her. And that's a responsibility I've taken upon myself because it's important to her. She wants to feel that someone cares. And just a simple, it takes 15 seconds to send a tweet or an X or whatever the hell they're called nowadays. And you can really great in someone's day you can save lives with the simplest words i hope you have a great day today i hope you can find something to do for yourself today so many ways into the conversation just people have to stop being so fearful that what they say is going to cause an incident because trust me it won't if that's already in my mind and my mind's made up It doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. Positive or negative, right? Absolutely. Even something as little as thinking about you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it takes 10 seconds to text that. It takes 10 seconds to email that or however you choose to communicate. But it can absolutely change the whole perspective of someone's day. I've been in terrible moods and I'll get an email or a text or something and it's just oh, you know what, Uh, someone is thinking of me and that means to me right now. Over the pandemic, I I started doing a flyby hug. That's all I called it. And I would just send it out to whoever I'm connected with on Instagram or or LinkedIn or whatever. Some people thought it was a little bizarre. And other people wrote, oh, wow. They might have not been in a great mood and it just made them chuckle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, little things like that, it doesn't have to be a grand gesture. It doesn't have to be something huge. It's just that little, you take a moment to put your thoughts on someone else. Just let them know that. I'm a firm believer in nothing in life is a huge thing. Everything is accumulation of small things together and small steps. And it's, I love to tell people healing is not linear in terms of grief, in terms of trauma, in terms of everything. And you're going to go up that ladder six steps. And you know what? You're going to fall right back down on your ass, but you're going to get up again. And Sooner or later, you'll be up seven steps, which is one more, right? And if you keep climbing and then then go back two steps, it's less steps than falling six. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as long as you keep on that journey, 
as long as we keep trying, then, I mean, that's all we can ask of each other. But letting someone know that you want to know that they're still trying mm -hmm. is quite often enough. Yeah. People just, it doesn't matter our culture. It doesn't matter where you live. People have the same basic necessities. People need to be loved. They need to be respected. And they need to be not judged. They just need to be accepted for who they are. That's it. And I, I feel like if everyone could just do that, a lot of fighting would stop in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody wants to be seen and heard. Yes. And everyone also wants everyone else to believe what they believe. And it's at that time in society where, you know, I feel like I'm in 1950, yeah. where people just can't have a conversation about religion. You have a conversation about religion and someone gets stabbed. It's where did hatred come into play at such a high level? It, it is. It is absolutely frightening. And, it's you know, astounding to me because it's yeah, so well, ridiculous. It's like children on a playground, but violent, dangerous children. Oh, oh, definitely violent and dangerous. And the fact is, we're not always going to think the same way. We're not no. always going to believe the same thing. And you know what? That has to be okay. Absolutely. Because... Yeah, every one of us is a little bit different. And I think that's a good thing. I say it all the time. If we were all the same, beige, boring, or just exactly the same, oh my God, it would be so boring. Oh, it would be dreadful. Yeah. I'm faded a lot to traveling too, because I see these people. I, I was fortunate enough to travel when I was younger. And... I see all these people going to another country and getting mad because they're not speaking it's, English to you. You're thinking like, as they have a big, yeah. uh, big Mac at their restaurant or, oh, yeah. you have to eat Mexicans. You're in Mexico. You literally paid money to fly there. Go there. Yeah. My traveling experience has been, I'm traveling to an experience, another culture. I want to be in. I don't want to be hanging out with tourists. I want to go into town and hang out with the locals and eat with them. And that's a, a, a trick for me because it's a learning. You don't know. People don't know. Yeah. Um, I was watching a show the other day. My gosh. And they were doing a trivia. And I mean, some people are just so consumed within their state or their province and they don't understand how big a world it is out there and how many people out of that huge world are all a striving for the same things, but B, they're also suffering from the same things. Absolutely. And okay. part of, I guess, one of my big concerns lately is the fact that we're all human. Okay, when push comes to shove, knock all the other stuff out of the way, we are all one human race. Yeah. Okay, just one. All of the flavors that we are, 
all of the languages and the customs and the culture and the food. To me, that's just enriching. Absolutely. So why not take it and enjoy it? And look for the good in it. I am. And for a number of years, some people told me to stop saying I was a Pollyanna because that was dumb and what have you. And earlier this year, the wonderful Rep Sykes said to me, don't do don't that. Are a Pollyanna. Go right ahead and be a Pollyanna. I am. I play the glad game every day. I always have. I saw that movie when I was six. It was a very long time ago. Um, and for me, between the crystals that they put in on the lamp so that the sun could shine through and the glad game, for me, I think that's what helped me get through an awful lot of things in my life was having something small that I could focus on that was confident. I think that's what's got me through a lot of my adult years. People always ask me, oh, you're so strong and how do you do it? And why are you still here if you've been suicidal for so long? How are you still here? And I don't really have an answer. I just... I don't, it's at this point with my government here in Canada, I don't want them to win. <laughs> It'll be a cold day in hell before maids coming after me. I'm really glad to hear that. I, I think your heart is too big, full of service and empathy for you to leave while there are those that need you. I'm starting to feel needed. And I think that's been a big breakthrough is knowing that sometimes if you, I, I'm on disability, so I, I write and I do other things, but it sometimes doesn't give you that purpose of people who go to work. You're not fitting into that niche. And for me, it's been being able of service. I've recently learned to say no as well, because sometimes yeah. I can't really drink. But if it's a crisis situation and a suicide-based situation, I will never say no. If I'm up and awake, I will never say no. Because I figure this person needs to get through the next half an hour. I can sleep whenever I want tomorrow. Life is more important than my sleep. You, you do. Yeah. And I think you do understand. And you make a point of filling your own cup because you can't fill someone else's from an empty cup. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know what, filling your own cup for me is the gratification that I get from helping someone through a crisis or just sending out on some days, I'll just go on. I have thousands of quotes and I'll just go on and just post 15 quotes because I know they will hit someone. Somebody. Yeah. 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 So, wow. Jody, what do you see for you for the next five years? And mm -hmm. what would be your ideal outcome? 
for people around us in the next five years? For myself personally, I will continue on self-growth. I need to learn to better accept love and better accept good things and understand that I deserve them after feeling undeserving for so many years. I would also like to take all the letters that I have from that article. I would like to take all the identifying information out and I would like to make it a book. I think it would be outstanding because there's so many different stories from around the world and that connection there. If you can understand you're feeling so depressed and you're reading something and all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm feeling the same guy as this guy in Indonesia. Right? That's a connection. It's an instant connection. And if I can provide that through a book, I would love to. So that's going to be, I'm also kind of working on an autobiography, but I had a writing block for during COVID, just I mess with everybody's minds. And so now I'm just trying to get back to a routine and get into writing again. And I also do a lot of photography. So I'm trying to promote some of my photography. It's very healing for me to be out in nature. And I just have one of those eyes. I will see a tree in the middle of the field and I think it's beautiful. Nothing else around it. And people are like, it's just a tree, but it's not. Yeah. Because I feel the picture. So I find photography is also one of my creative outlets to help with my trauma. And for people, I just stop with the hate and stop with the judgment. You're nobody to judge. Everybody's got a story, including you. And just because your story is different doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it worse. No one's trauma is comparable. Just no. because you went through, even if you went, two people in the same car accident are not going to come out with the same version of the story. That is so true. Self-bias is already instilled in you. So you're going to see things from your point of view. It doesn't mean that yours is better or someone else is wrong. Just Listen and learn because you become a better person the more you learn. You become more open to, to different concepts and ideas. And I think that's just essential at this point. And communication. I mean, over COVID, people, they've lost the ability to communicate. Yeah. That's something that people need to get. You need to start talking to your friends again and your family if that's something that you do. You need to. Get back on social because isolation for a short period of time is okay. Isolation for the time that we had isolation is just bloody unhealthy. And, and I want to say something that we've all gotten away from. Your neighbors. Say hello to your neighbors. I actually have neighbors with two cute kids, but one of them just got the drums. So it's been an interesting learning co curve. But wow, has he ever gotten good in about two months? <laughs> That's good. I like that. I was going to speak to what you said about don't compare your traumas and, and what have you. Something that, that I think it took me a long time to realize, and it was through someone else, but for someone who has had massive trauma, okay, that's a big story. For someone 
who the worst thing that ever happened was they stubbed their toe. In their world, in their perspective, that is the worst pain they could ever feel because it is the worst pain they ever felt. So that's why we can't compare because we're not living their life. No. Not in their body. Comparison literally should be taken out of the English language in all aspects. We shouldn't. I understand and, and I agree with you except for one thing. Humans by nature are comparative because we cannot know tall if we do not know short. We cannot know hot if we do not know cold. Yeah, touche. Those bits of comparison were there for our survival. Like everything else, we humans have taken it to the end. A little tiny level. Exactly. But what I want to go back to before we wrap up the show, I'm a firm believer in what you put out to the universe will come back. And I think it's important for us to tell the universe that a publisher or this list of letters, I think would be incredible. And I think that's really what should happen. Somebody needs to step up somewhere and take these beautiful letters and help Jody turn them into a book so that other people can benefit from understanding they're not alone in their pain. Excuse me. Come. They're not alone in their angst. And they're not alone in the fact that we each, every one of us, need a little hope. I think that was my biggest fear. It was the starting the whole thing because in my head, I'm like, I want to just build it. I don't have money to publish a book and blah, 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 blah. And how do I approach this? And just the opportunity to even speak with a publisher would be a blessing. So thank you so much for putting that out there. I appreciate that so much. I'm a firm believer. If you give it to the universe, it will come to you. And with all the good that you're putting out in the world, I think it should. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a a nice compliment. Well, well, thank you. And thank you for accepting my compliment. I appreciate that. I just want to say thank you so much, Jody, for being here. We're going to make sure that all Jody's links and how you can get a hold of her and where you can DM her on Twitter X. Call it. I'm up in the air about that these days. I know. We'll be on her page as well as a link to her article on the radio. I have absolutely loved our conversation. Jody. thank you so much for agreeing. And I really appreciate it. I enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed talking to you when we just had a chit chat. So it's been a pleasure to um, spend this last little bit of time with you and to be able to um, share my story with a, a different audience. Absolutely. And, and I have to say a, a big thank you to my darling hubby who pointed out your tweet the other day. Oh, thank you. Hubby. Me, yeah. He wanted me to take some action. Awesome. I thank him too. I'm, yeah. I'm just really grateful. 
for That's the awesome. opportunity that we have here to reach out to others. Yeah. And if you or someone you know has a story that you want to share, reach out and let us know because sharing your story can lighten your burden. And we're all about making things easier if we can. Absolutely. Thank so you so much, Elaine. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Oh, oh, absolutely. We will okay. definitely talk again. Okay, darling. In the meantime, make the very best of your today. Episode. I will, and you too. And I'll see you guys next Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results. And also by Canada's keynote humorist, Judy Croon, the motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City.